we've been seeking the Lord uh, in these days. Thank you, Tim. Uh, we've been seeking the Lord these days. Uh, we're in the middle of a, uh, a 12-week series uh, where we are running from Genesis through Revelation. Pardon me. Apparently, I pray and get weepy. Ah, all right. Ah. The Bible, Genesis through Revelation. Think about this with me, if you would, please. The Bible, Genesis through Revelation, presents God um, as, as being here. He's with us. He's among us. He is present uh, to us. Uh, it, 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 it presents him as being active in our world. Uh, he, we, are, we serve a God who is, who is involved and in changing things in our world. And as we read through the pages of Scripture, and this is what we've been doing, we discover that he's also a God who's speaking into our world. He's a God who's present, he's a God who's active, and he is a God who is speaking into the world in which he's created. Have you ever heard God speak? Would you like to hear God speak? I remember years ago, I was pastoring in a church. The, the, uh, the, the receptionist said, Pastor, I need somebody to go in. Uh, There's a woman in the sanctuary. She's coming to pray, and, and she seems very distraught. Would you, would you just go and, and, and speak with her? Of course I will. So I, I went in, and when she kind of calmed the sobs for, for, uh, for a few minutes, I, I said, you know, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? Can you tell me kind of what's going on? And when she kind of got enough control of her emotions, she said, um, I think God's speaking to me. Um, and, and she went on to explain that she was not a person of particular re religious engagement, um, described what was going on, and she said, why would God speak to me? Like, this is terrifying. <laughs> Saw the Lord high and lifted up, exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I said, woe to me, I'm a... Who am I that God would speak to me? And yet we have on the pages of Scripture this demonstration that God is present and he's active and he is speaking. So we're at week eight of a 12-week journey from Genesis through Revelation. Uh, 12 weeks, entire Bible, just kind of getting the overview. What's the thread that ties this all together? So this is the, our final Sunday in the Old Testament. Next Sunday we'll step into the Gospels, into the New Testament. 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And we're seeing God is present to the world that he created. He has not abandoned us. In fact, he is active in, among human beings whom he loves. And he's been calling, he's speaking. He's calling humanity to come and respond to him with faith. The incumbent question for us, are you listening? Are you listening? The problem is that sin of the first created pair, the first pair, Adam and Eve, um, has infected every son of Adam and every daughter of Eve ever since. And only divine intervention by way of God's grace is going to avoid the imminent disaster which is, which is there, the crash and burn. We saw it in Judges, the era of the Judges, the era of the Kings, God speaks. If you have your sermon notes, it'd be a good time to pull them out or uh, download them. This is super cool. Um, OEC app, Okotoks Alliance Church app. First button at the top of the screen takes you to a screen, and you can download the uh, you can download the, the sermon notes right on your phone. Um, 
first point, if you're trying to follow along, God speaks. We, we saw this in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. Sometimes the Torahs were called the Pentateuch or, or the, the Law or, or the books of Moses. God spoke. He spoke to Adam and Eve. He spoke to Cain, bringing correction. We found out that the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Uh, Cain, another disobedient son of Adam. We, we followed the journey and eventually discovered God spoke to Abraham. Uh, through him, spoke to Moses, through Moses. Here, here's a uh, timeline um, from Adam to Jesus. You'll see it on the screen here. Uh, and, and it includes some of the prophets. So, so we've got Abraham, roughly 2000 BC. Let's see if I can get this right. If I point this way. It's a little backwards, kind of feels weird. Anyway, I won't try doing that because I might really mess you up. Abraham, roughly 2000 BC. Moses, uh, we're not sure, is it 1450 BC or is it 1280 BC? But somewhere in that range, uh, Moses uh, spoke for God. His, his sister, Miriam, spoke for God, um, a prophetic voice. Um, we didn't talk about Deborah, uh, but uh, in, in the age of the judges, uh, one of the prophets who spoke, roughly 1200 BC, uh, Samuel, we spent some time with Samuel the last few weeks. Uh, he speaks on God's behalf. You know, roughly 1000 BC, he anointed King Saul. Uh, he anointed King David. Uh, you get into the late 900 BCs, and there's a prophet named Nathan um, who, who speaks to uh, King, King David. Uh, Elijah and Elisha, as we get into the, 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 the story of the kings. Um, Hulda, 627 BC. The point being, th these are... These are um, uh, prophets who spoke on God's behalf. And, and the pages of Scripture tell us uh, that uh, the, the, the language of prophet uh, is appropriate. So, so not profit, that's what your boss requires of your business enterprise, okay? Not prophets, prophets. The prophet, we, we speak of the prophetic, and, and sometimes we, we think of someone who foretells the future has great insight, they look forward, and indeed, the Old Testament prophets, they talked about the future. God revealed to them things that he wanted his people to know, and, uh, and they spoke that, and they revealed the future, how God would be present, he would be active, and he would continue to speak, and, and he would speak through his spokespeople uh, with a prophetic voice. But primarily, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, spoke on God's behalf to people about the present. Not mostly about the future, but he predominantly preached to them, spoke to them about the present, their present behavior. Fascinating is uh, that the prophets were not respecters of people. Like they spoke to young and old alike. They spoke to powerful and weak. They spoke to wealthy and poor. Everyone was expected to respond to God's voice when they heard God speak through one of his spokespeople. Um, the prophet prophet Jeremiah, he's one of the latter prophets on that timeline, closer to the time of Jesus. Jeremiah wrote this about his call. Jeremiah 1, verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. We're reminded that the prophets did not speak of their own accord. They spoke on behalf of God and everyone was subject to the, the final authority of God. The, the reality is that no one is immune to the infection of sin 
and therefore no one is immune from the correction of God, brought through one of his faithful prophets. Well, we saw this as we've been kind of journeying, the priests were subject to God. Like everybody's subject to the voice of God. The priests were subject to God. Maybe you recall, we read uh, the story of Samuel. Young Samuel, he came to live in the temple, First uh, Samuel chapter 3. And he, he hears his name being called and, and, and went to the priest Eli and he said, you called? And he said, no, it happened three times. And finally Eli clues in and he says, I think it's God speaking to you. Next time you hear your name called, just say, maybe you'd say it with me. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And indeed he does. Now the word that God gives to young Samuel is a disturbing word. It's a word of correction for Eli. Because this old priest uh, who has, has been unfaithful to God in, in, in one area in particular, he refused to discipline Hophnius and Phinehas, his sons. They, were, they had become evil priests who were supposed to be representing God and they didn't. Eli didn't deal with it, so God was going to deal with it himself. Even the priests were subject to the voice of God. The kings were subject to the voice of God. Samuel grew from being a, a boy to being a young man to being a, a senior man. Anointed King Saul. God told him to. Anointed King Saul to be king. But then Saul can't get over himself. Ultimately, God says enough is enough and, and removes his anointing from Saul to be king. Samuel's the guy that's got to deliver it. Anybody want to sign up for the, the job of prophet, like spokesperson for God? You know, like, like it was, you were not in the popular crowd when you kind of joined, saw Bathsheba, this beautiful woman, um, murders her husband in order to take her as his wife. And we as readers, as we're working through that portion of scripture, we're scandalized. Like your heart is on the floor. You're like, David, how could you do this? Like, how could you? And then the prophet Nathan gets the, the privilege to speak to him. And so he approaches the king in the throne room. And maybe you've read this, 2 Samuel 12. He approaches the king in the throne room. He says, oh, king, a great travesty has taken place in the nation. There was a wealthy man who had many, many sheep in his flocks. Guest came. But rather than taking one of his sheep from his, his immense herds, he went to a poor man who had a lamb that he and his family had been nurturing since it was a, a wee little lamb. And he stole that lamb and slaughtered it and fed it to his guests. And David was, was paying attention and he was outraged that such a, such a heinous act should take place in the nation of Israel. And he says, justice will be served! And Nathan turns to David and he says, you are the man. Now you got to think, if you're a prophet, this is a moment when you're not sure your head is going to stay attached to the rest of your body much longer. Right? Like you're speaking to the most powerful person in the land. And, and the text tells us that David fell before God and he wept in confession. He owned his sin. He repented before God. And we begin to see in the painting of the narrative that the responsiveness to the voice of God, this is going to be one of the things that will mark, that will separate those, those who can 
walk in covenant obedience and covenant faithfulness. We've been talking about this as we've been going along. Would you just like take the next step with God in faithfulness? Uh, David will come to be a model king, not because he got it all right, but because he had a tender heart before God and, and when confronted by his sin, was willing to own it. Confess, repent, now let's walk forward from here. Oh God, everyone's subject to the final authority of God. Now the prophets speak this authority. Sometimes the prophets wrote this authority. Um, the final 17 books of the Old Testament um, are, are named after prophets. We refer to them as the prophets. Um, there are the major prophets. There's five of the major prophets. Uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and sometimes usually Daniel's included in that group of the major prophets. They're major because of their volume, the size of the writing, not because of they're more important than other writings. And then the final 12 books of your Old Testament are the, are the minor prophets. They're shorter writings. They're sometimes referred to as the Book of the Twelve or the Book of Twelve. If you've ever done one of those kind of reading plans where you try to read through the entire Bible, I hope you have. I would highly commend it to you. It's a, an, a wonderful experience to read through the Bible in a year or read through the Bible in six months or something like that. Um, version has some study plans that would help you do that. You get to the minor prophets and sometimes it starts to get a little difficult. Like, oh my goodness, this is hard reading. Something that, would help, that will help you is to have handy a timeline and a map, an ancient map. So, so a timeline that kind of helps you orient. Who are these people and what are these nations that are being described? I've got a timeline for you here um, uh, that, that, that shows, that this is, um, now every scholar you consult, Old Testament scholars will have different ways, of, like, we think this era, guy was in this era and that era, so this is not kind of the final word on this. But, but many of the prophets identify the era in which they speak. Uh, I read Isaiah 6 earlier. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Um, well, we can date that, that experience of, of the prophet Isaiah. Uh, we know that he came early, around the time of King Uzziah, in the 700s B.C. 700 to 750 B.C. is when Isaiah uh, preached, spoke on God's behalf. That's the group of kings that he was around. Um, uh, Jeremiah came much later. Uh, he came uh, uh, when, when the southern, two tri the southern tr uh, tribe of Judah was being conquered by the Babylonians. And in fact, tradition tells us, we don't see it in the pages of scripture, that Jeremiah was there when Jerusalem fell. And he somehow kind of managed to get away uh, into, into Egypt. Um, uh, fun kind of modern connection point for you. If you've ever been a, a fan of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you might be familiar with the, the storyline that says the Ark of the Covenant ended up in Egypt. Well, well the, the story about that, it's probably not true, but the story about that comes from this era. Jeremiah and a group of the remnant uh, slipped away, and, and the story goes that they managed to get the Ark of the Covenant away with them uh, to Egypt. Anyway. Indiana Jones, that's just a movie, uh, but it is actually based in some historic folklore uh, that was there. Timeline can be helpful, kind of orient, where is this word coming to? Who are these people that are, who are these nations? Who's Aram? Where's Edom? 
Uh, who are these people? And, and, and how does this all, it just kind of helps you kind of keep your orientation as you're reading through. The other thing that can be helpful is an ancient map. Uh, what are the cities? What are the places? Who are these people groups? Here's a map. Uh, I took this from the ESV study Bible. Uh, English Standard Version Study Bible, and it shows the location of the birth of the prophets. Now, it's kind of smushed all together there to make that fit. Uh, Israel's longer than my screen, okay? So anyway, but you can see Jonah. He was born up in and around the Sea of Galilee, and Elisha and Elijah, sort of each side of the Jordan River. Uh, kind of interesting is that um, there are a number of them who were born in Jerusalem. Uh, Isaiah, Zephaniah, Haggai, uh, Zechariah, Malachi. These were all prophets that were born in Jerusalem. They, that's, so that's who they were speaking to the people in Jerusalem Isaiah it's thought was uh, was actually of kingly it was of noble birth um, perhaps that is true some of these prophets wrote themselves um, some of them their, their students wrote what they heard or, or would gather the writings of the prophet that they were studying under um, all of them were gathered by scribes, subsequent scribes, who collected them into the gatherings of books that we know in our Hebrew scriptures. But all of it is God speaking. It's him speaking into specific circumstances, but then preserving his word for us so that, so that we, we can learn by association. Here's an illustration that helps explain. Sometimes as you're reading through the prophets, it can be kind of difficult to make your way through. It's like, what, what is he talking about? Here, here's a very typical pattern that we'll see. Just follow the circle here for me, if you will, at first. Uh, the prophet clear, typically will identify sin. There, there, there's this problem in the nation right now. Uh, and, and then he'll call to repent. You need to change. You need to change your way. Um, he'll promise forgiveness that if you will change, if you will respond to the voice of God, forgiveness will be offered. And then he issues encouragement to continue in this new way. Uh, last Sunday, Craig uh, opened up the, um, uh, the wisdom literature for us. Uh, the way of wisdom uh, is to walk with God, walk in a fear of God. So that was the encouragement. Continue to walk with this new trajectory uh, in the fear and the reverence of the Most High God. Uh, now, now, complicating it a little bit, sometimes, is that the prophet is sometimes speaking to their immediate circumstance, their own time and space, Sometimes they're speaking to a future time and space, and it's not always evident which is which. Sometimes they're speaking to both, and sometimes it's really wonderfully clear that they're speaking about the coming Messiah in particular. And, and, and so we kind of watch for these little cues as we're reading through the minor prophets. Here, here's a little bit more detail that I think is maybe helpful for us. Just So, so what, were the, what were these writings about? Why were they writing? So there's, here's five five kind of typical ways they would speak. Uh, firstly, the prophets uh, would, would say, look, I'm speaking on God's behalf. God is speaking through me. Uh, in the New Testament, the apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, actually verifies this. One of the letters Peter wrote, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, he said, the prophets were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So why do we continue to pay attention to these old writings? Well, because they were speaking by God himself, and, and they spoke into their time and circumstance, but they, they have the potential to speak into our time and circumstance as well. The prophets asserted God was speaking through them. Second, the prophets affirmed that God chose Israel for a covenant relationship. Yes, things are difficult. Yes, judgment is coming. But God continues in covenant relationship with you. Remember that covenant that God made with Abraham. And he renewed it with Isaac and Jacob. And, and he spoke about it and brought law, law detail through the prophet Moses. 
And then he renewed it. He kind of narrowed it into the King David that he would bring his rescue through King David and, and his family tree. God has not forgotten his covenant relationship with you. And, and God continues to woo the people back to himself. Come back to me. Uh, many of the, the, the prophet's voices sound like a, a grieving husband whose wife has gone off living an unfaithful existence to the marriage covenant that was there. Third thing that happens, sadly, um, is that most often the prophets report that the majority of Israel is not listening to God. God's speaking, and they are not listening. They continue to sin against them. Here's some specific ways that that happens. They fail, they fail to trust God, Isaiah 7. Uh, they, they've been breaking the Ten Commandments. They've been worshiping other gods. They've mistreated one another and failed to preserve justice among God's people. Significant theme, justice, that, that God would be represented justly in his society, in, in, among the people of God. They, they refuse to repent, Amos 4. And there's this encouragement that through all of these times, God continues to stir and maintain to preserve a faithful minority uh, sometimes it's referred to as the remnant. But, but it's, it's evidenced even by the prophets themselves, right? They are faithful to God. Well, they're, they're not alone in this. And, and God is, is continuing to draw huma humanity to himself. Here's a fourth kind of characteristic of the writings of the prophets. The prophets would warn that judgment will eradicate sin. Like, like the way fire will consume gasoline. Um, judgment would, would take care of the problem. Uh, judgment is often in the prophets, it's referred to as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord would come. Uh, Isaiah 2, Joel 2, Zephaniah 1, Amos 5. This was a day in history, and it was a day in the future. It was a day in history, like when the Babylonians came and conquered Jerusalem and took them off into captivity, the day of the Lord had come. There, 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 was, there was judgment, there was correction. And it was, going to, it was going to address the challenge in that day. But it was a day that would yet come when God will judge all of the inhabitants of the world. So the prophets warn, judgment is coming and it will have an eradicating effect against sin. And here's a fifth thing that the prophets typically did. They promised that renewal would lie beyond that day of punishment. There was hope on the other side of judgment. Some of that had already occurred in history. And beyond is the coming day that will bring all of history as we know it to a close. Now here, here, here are some of the things that were anticipated in the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord would be a day when, when, uh, when God would send his Savior, his rescuer into the world. It was a day when that Savior... Uh, would rule Israel and the nations, and, and he, the result of his rule would be the effecting of peace and righteousness in the world. Isaiah 9, maybe, you, maybe you're familiar with it. Christmas will be apparently honest before we know it. Um, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Right? Isaiah chapter 9. Um, he would effect peace. He would effect righteousness in the world. The prophets tell us that 
The Savior must suffer and die and rise from the dead. Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53. And he will be like the Son of Man. It's this pristine picture that Daniel paints for us. Daniel chapter 7. In the Ancient of Days, God himself will give the Son of Man kingdoms of the world. These are extraordinary things. The the Son of Man, the Savior that comes, would, would be the catalyst for a new covenant with Israel, a covenant that would include not just the Jewish people, but it would include Gentiles who would turn to God, in whom God's Spirit would come and fill and live through. Any of this sounding familiar to you, church? Right? Like these are the promises that the prophets made. Here's the best one. In my opinion, the best one. God would enable his people to serve him faithfully. He would enable you and me to walk faithfully with our God as covenant, obedient people. He would cleanse the world and he would recreate that which has been spoiled and we look forward to that day when when his creation is whole again. God spoke, God wrote, and he promised that he would come. This is going to lead us into the New Testament next Sunday. I can hardly wait to get there. Maybe that's what the, the prophets felt, right? Christmas is coming. The Jesus is coming. Listen to what Jesus said about himself in relation to the prophets. Jesus was in Nazareth at the synagogue. And Luke tells us about this in Luke chapter 4, verse 17. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to Jesus. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke tells us he he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is one of those day of the Lord passages. This is one of those God is going to come. Now here's the extraordinary thing though. Jesus, he's in the synagogue in Nazareth. He rolls out the scroll and he finds Isaiah 62, verse 1. And he starts reading from it. And then he sits down mid-sentence. Like literally, he's reading through the Hebrew text. And he gets halfway through a sentence. And without even getting to the period, he sat down. And we're saying, why would he do that? Let, let, Let me read it for you from Isaiah 62, verse 1. This is just the end bit. So, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, proclaim good news, proclaim sight to the blind, year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. But Jesus didn't finish the sentence. He sat down mid-sentence. You get this? Do you you understand what was going on there? Jesus was declaring the day of the Lord has come, but it's not been completed yet. The day of the Lord is here. The year of the Lord's favor has begun. But his judgment is not yet. That that day when God will affect justice. When everything that is wrong will be declared to be wrong. 
And, and all who are unrepentant and unresponsive to his voice will, will stand before him and give account for their lives. But that's not this day. This day is a day of favor. And we continue to live in the day of God's favor. We continue to live in the day when he would call and invite people to respond. And when the plea would be very much like the plea of the Old Testament prophets, who would say, judgment is coming, you need to turn to God. You need to respond to him. And this continues to be the invitation of our gracious God, our merciful God, who longs that none should perish. All of this, all of this points to Jesus. Jesus is the one who would, would come. Like, like, follow the thread with me, if you would, please. Uh, God created, and humanity rebelled against his leadership. But in God's mercy, he, he said, look, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to craft a way for your sinful treachery to be addressed, and yet justice to pre be preserved, to be honored. To do so, he would take the penalty of sin upon himself for all who would look to him. He chose to make this way through the family of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we saw that work persisting in the nation of Israel through the era of the judges and persisting through the era of the kings. And he refines it in saying, King David, that's the family tree I'm going to work through. And ultimately, a son of David is one who will come and will take the throne for eternity. And God himself would come as that Savior, as the Son of Man, to bring glory to the Ancient of Days in order that, in order that salvation would be available to all. And he didn't even just leave it at that. He, he gave them the, the law to guide them. And he gave them wisdom literature. Here's the way, here's the way. Walk in this way, Lady Wisdom calls forth. And he gave them art, songs to sing that would just instill it in our hearts. Uh, poetry and, 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 and beauty around that would remind constantly of the greatness of our God. And then he gave the prophets to beckon, to call back young and old, wealthy and poor, powerful and weak. Come, come. They would beckon, they would warn, and they would speak of coming days, in particularly the day of the Lord. And all of this points to Jesus. And you are invited to be a covenant, a covenant-keeping faithful follower of Jesus, not because you're good, not because you're able, but because he's made it possible and will come and take up residence in your life and he'll enable you to walk in agreement with God. This morning we're going to come to the Lord's table. It's here that we're reminded again that, that Jesus Christ died our death. Jesus stood in my place. The prophetic voices, they speak accurately today as they did then. They speak accurately concerning my failures and my sin. And Jesus took my failures and my sin and put them on himself and he gave me his righteous record, his good record. Because there's no denying the truth of my circumstance, but Jesus has brought grace. He's taken what I deserved and given me what I could never have earned.
And we worship him in response. 